Writers up. This is Riders Up, the best place to get all the horse racing news and information that you need. Now here's your host, Frank Lyons. Welcome to Riders Up here on ESPN Sports Radio. I am your host, Frank Lyons. On the show today, we will have former Manchester City or newly crowned champions of English Premier League, Bobby McAlinden, who is a horse racing enthusiast and also was best friends with George Best. And born on the same day as George Best, some friends from childhood. We'll get to hear the whole story of him and George's venture throughout the United States over to California to play with the Aztecs. And also on the show then, we're delighted to have my old pal Frank Mermaddy. And we're going to handicap the Elkhorn from Keeneland, the American handicap from Santa Anita, and the $1.2 million Charlestown Classic from Charlestown coming up later today. But before we do that, we're going to have to pay some bills. So sit tight and we'll be right back. Everyone here at Riders Up is so proud to welcome our newest sponsor, the racing world's largest retailer of supplies and services. Welcome Big D's Tack and Vet Supply of Streetsboro, Ohio. We're introducing a very special way to promote a super buy each week exclusive to Riders Up listeners. Here's how it works. You either call 1-800-321-2142 and tell the Big D's customer service person the code, or you enter the code on BigDWeb.com. This week's code is HORSES, and the specials are amazing. A $429 free goods giveaway on Transformers 2 products. The product Breathe in the quart size and the product Motion in the quart size. If you buy one quart of either or both, you receive a free quart. We're celebrating the Breathe and Motion stakes race being run tonight at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. Second part of the special for Riders Up listeners who mentioned the code HORSES is 10% off on any order at BigDWeb.com or by calling 800-321-2142. There are some restrictions that apply, but almost everything is 10% off by mentioning the code word HORSE. Welcome back to Riders Up here on ESPN. I'm your host, Frank Lyons, and right now on the line is my old buddy, Frankie Miramati. Frankie, how are you? I'm well. How are you, my brother? I'm very, very good. How was your week? Very nice. Very nice. And uh, I want to give you immediate props for that selection of City of Light. Uh, that's a horse that I, I never bought into him because he got mowed down by a horse named Dabster one day with an easy lead. And I'm thinking, this horse is no good. Meanwhile, that was yeah. a very bad assessment. And you, as a trainer, saw that he was a big boy that wanted to stretch those legs. And boy, did he ever in the Oakland Handicap. You know, he was pretty impressive, I have to say, even though he was uh, looking for that line in a big way and, uh, you know, late in the race. But uh, he was just galloping. It was very impressive to see him galloping all over that field, including Accelerate, who ran a huge race. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But uh, we have to mention a sad week in horse racing, in, in a way, because of the passing of Giants Causeway, commonly known as the Giant He'll be sorely missed. What a monster in every sense of the word as yeah. a racehorse and as a stallion and the influence that he has had. And, you know, he bred to a lot of mares, and those uh, the, the connections and the mares are all very lucky to have been involved with Giants Causeway. And What a great stallion, what a great horse, what a... 
friendly horse and just all the pictures on Twitter. What a beautiful animal he was and uh, very, very sad. And, you know, they don't last forever. And no. uh, hopefully, he, you know, I mean, at least not hopefully, but thankfully he left his mark and will continue to in generations to come. Absolutely. His name will be on the program for a long time to come. And he was really a truly honest racehorse that when you seen him race, you just were so enthralled by the performance that he dug in and like he laid his life on the line every time. And, you know, horses are so beautiful because they're so honest. You know, they don't get an extra bowl of oats. If they win, they just get the same old thing. It's like me with pizza, you know. Absolutely, if I, if I no, you do get an extra. Yeah, I'm yeah. still gonna have my two slices. Yeah. <laughs> or four. Now, what did you think of the Arkansas Derby last week with Magnum Moon? I thought he was dominant. I'll tell you one thing. I thought Quip, and I didn't like him going into the race, sure. but in the post parade, Quip really made a presence, and uh, I thought he was going to run well, and he did. Considering Magnum Moon put him away, and somehow he still held second on the inside. Um, Magnum Moon, it was a very impressive campaign thus far. I, I thought it was fantastic. And, uh, you know, as, I think with that, as with everybody, I'm a little concerned about him drifting out. I know that sure. sometimes it was noise or this or track marks or whatever, sure. but I don't like seeing horses drift out. And because of that, I, I won't be endorsing him in the Kentucky Derby, which I'm not trying to be mean because he was a dominant, undefeated winner. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, he's going to have to step his game up, I believe, because he's facing a lot better competition coming up. Absolutely. Uh, but, I mean, the, uh, the the old Apollo curse is has got a good chance of going down this year with yeah, uh, Justify Magnum Moon. <laughs> and uh, any... Todd Fletcher's performance in these... In these uh, I mean, it's incredible. Uh, uh, you know, he won four yeah. of the big preps with four different... I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, Beautiful management on top of everything else. Yeah, great management. And uh, t uh, Todd is such a, a great trainer, great guy, and he deserves it, uh, you know, because he's got the most professional, uh, or at least as good a professional outfit out there as there is. Yeah, he's, he's a class actor, there's no question. What about Robbie Davis coming back at the age of 56, back in the saddle? But uh, You know, when, when, when he first was riding in California, when he came to California, I remember... That Trevor Denman, you know, you could always tell who Trevor likes as a jockey. Right. He loved Eddie Delahousse. He loved Robbie Davis. And he typically loved jockeys that wouldn't abuse the horses because, of course, Trevor is very much against the whip and all that. And and I remember hearing on many occasions, here's another polished hand ride from <laughs> Robbie Davis. And, uh, and Robbie, of course, with his great family. And look, there's something about it. It's like boxers and, and athletes and... And, you know, these types of uh, people, they, they just want that rush. And now that he's having it with his kids, he, he wants to get back out there and feel that adrenaline himself. And, yeah. and I support him. I know it's a, it's a tough move, and it's a tough, tough time to do it. And he certainly didn't have the uh, most, <laughs> most uh, warm of, warm of uh, welcomes, I guess, would be a way of saying it uh, with his first ride. But uh, uh. I, I hope he does succeed and, and has the fun and gets that fulfillment. So he's 56, and uh, I mean, like, where do you do you think that watching Dylan do so uh, be so successful through the winter kind of got his his adrenaline going and uh, maybe wanted to, to get him back in the saddle or or? Well, I mean, he's proud. He's certainly proud of Dylan, and and you know he's been wanting to do this for a long time, and now he felt he was physically able, and he had to just kind of you know it's one of those things where you sometimes just have to do it. Sure. Uh, you know, you see a guy like Gary Stevens. Yeah. who, you know, gets a new knee, a new hip, a yeah. new leg. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just comes back. I mean, Gary is the absolute 
quintessential warrior of warriors. And uh, it makes them think, hey, I'd like to get out to do it. You know what it is? I think it's a lot of it is just based on adrenaline yeah. and fulfillment. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, you're just missing when you're an athlete and you, you know, have to give that up. It's something that you want to have back. And uh, I just hope he gets some good success and gets some opportunities to uh, to shine and stay safe and then go right back where he belongs into retirement in a few years. Well, I just hope that they're sitting at home and are arguing about, uh, you know, who's better rider. And I hope that Robbie gets up to beat Dylan and then he retires that day. And that's in the next go. week. Uh, Dylan's yes. had a great meet at Aquino. Oh, my. He's turned into such a terrific uh, young rider. Um, I mean, like you, you can, you know, I mean, I would have had a little bit of reservations about how good Dylan was, but Dylan has absolutely stepped up to the plate and yes, yes. Uh, we wish him all the continued success. Now, what about Rob uh, Gronkowski uh, bought into the horse named after himself? Yes, he sure did. And there's been a lot of publicity about that. And I'm with the same uh, philosophy as most people that love horse racing in that if you can get a guy like that to absolutely. show a little interest in the game, it's good for the game. Uh, and it's also good for the betters because as a result of that, Gronkowski will get a lot more money on him than he should, and therefore uh, it, it minimizes the takeout in the Kentucky Derby. Well said. Okay, so now let's handicap a little bit. And we, we'll start out with the Dixiana Elkhorn, the 33rd running, and a great uh, betting race and a great race in general. It's that same matchup again. I mean, these are two turf starts. It's in the post. Yep. And uh, Hayabusa won. And and here's the thing. Last year, when uh, It's in the Post went to Keeneland, yep. you know, he, uh, it, during the race, as I was watching it, I, I just didn't think that he was even handling the course that well. It just didn't seem like it was his type of thing. And then suddenly, he just, uh, you know, kicked in. So he is just an absolute, absolute warrior. Yeah. And because of that, you have to respect him because even last time, he was even money, and one would think, well, why would he be even money? He should be one to two in this race because he's just all he does is win. He's hickory tough. But Hayabusa one might be able to beat him here. I would not be surprised to see them turn the tables, but uh, I, don't, I don't see anyone else really uh, upsetting the apple cart here. These are two solid animals in a in a stirring rivalry once again. Well, let me tell you a little something. I seen Jeff Mullins yesterday at breakfast, and yep. Jeff said to me, uh, um, "This horse will win." He said uh, he's training much better than he did last year. He's training yep. best ever. And he, Jeff has done such a terrific job with this horse. Uh, and, I mean, I have respect for Hayabusa 1 because one thing I always like to see is those wins at Keeneland. And Hayabusa 1, one of his most impressive wins was here, right here at Keeneland, first time out from France. And he was 6-1 to one that day, and he just ran off and hid from them. So he's back to Keeneland after having uh, six efforts out in Southern California since. And Hayabusa 1 will run a, a good race, but I believe that it's all about in the post today. Yeah, he's, he's a nice animal. And, and Mullins uh, on Thursday night put a uh, post on uh, Facebook that said the big boy is ready to rock. And he doesn't usually say things like, you know, he's a very quiet guy when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, and, he might have uh, had a few. Yeah, he's he's confident. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know we always. Oh, no, his Facebook, his Facebook thing is not what you would expect. He's uh, Jeff's a very humble guy, a very spiritual guy. I was very surprised. You you learn a lot about people. Sure. Social media posts. Yeah, I I love him. 
now, I will give you a long shot for the Elkhorn today. The eighth horse, Hunter O'Reilly, always runs well at Keeneland and has arguably, you know, those races like uh, the Red Smith last time out. He, uh-huh. you know, he was coming off a little bit of a layoff and it was the end of the year. He'd had five races already and he'd kind of been messed around a little bit last year. But I believe that Jimmy Toner will have this horse ready. He's very good. If you with, give me a Jimmy Toner horse on the grass particularly, I'll yeah, never argue. Absolutely. And uh, so that's my long shot is Hunter O'Reilly. It's in the post. Hayabusha one and Hunter O'Reilly. I like some horses today, Keenan, as a matter of fact. And I'm going to give you a couple if you don't mind. Yeah, um, absolutely. Let's start in the second race, if you don't mind. And I'm, uh-huh. I'm going to give you the number five. We need to talk. This is actually one of my favorite type angles, which is horses facing winners for the second time. Yeah. Uh, she broke her maiden first time out. And then uh, Barnaby Jones, Colombo, and all other investigators couldn't find her in her next start. She was in a very tough spot. She debuted for maiden 35. Then she stretched out against some salty animals and was nowhere. Yeah. Now she comes back. Now she's once again racing around one turn one and seven-eighths of a mile, and she's where she belongs uh, for Phil Sims, seven to two on the morning line. Uh, I, I kind of like uh, kind of like her. And then uh, there's two other horses, if you don't mind, I'd like to mention. Uh, one, is the, one is in the fifth race today at Keeneland, uh, the number one, Red Right Hand. <laughs> uh, this, horse, this horse did not have a very good trip uh, last time. Uh, and uh, I think we'll absolutely gallop. So- um why are you laughing? You, okay. you know that you were, you were going to yeah. give this horse out? Yes, I was. Red right oh, hand. Because Brendan Walsh told me last time I was down the fairgrounds uh, for the very first time, and I went in to see Brendan, and Brendan said to me, Frank, I have a looking at lucky three-year-old that I really love, and he's in today, and he will win. There's not even a doubt about it. And for some reason, uh, you know, when anyone ever says that, you know you can, uh, yep. yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I watched the horse. He looked great, and he went out. He went off at six to five. Gary Stevens was aboard. Got beat ahead first time out at a big price. And he never showed up, you know. And Brennan said, "I have no idea what happened, uh, this horse, but I know he's a lot better than that, and he's training really well right now at Keeneland." So the one horse, Red Right Hand, in the fifth race at Keeneland today. Yep. Myself and Frank are telling you, have a bet. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have to get involved there. And then in the seventh race, you know how sometimes you know, if you don't follow every race at every track, you miss something. Sure. Well, this horse number nine, everyone loves Jimmy. Uh, debuted and took a tremendous amount of late action. I would love to tell you this horse might have been four to one, three to one going toward the gate. Went off at nine to five and just missed, and really never looked like a winner until late. Huh. And then I didn't see her enter. She won by nine. I still don't know how in the world she went off at three to one in her next start. So I was a little nauseous when I saw that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, because the first time she was so live and the tote board told you how live she was. Well, Ian uh, Wilkes has been winning with more first time starters lately. But that was that, that was one where it was just kind of a strange deal. But and I don't this is the biggest mistake I've made in handicapping my whole life, which is taking horses right off a maiden win in their next start. Yeah. It's very difficult to beat winners. But I've always thought this filly from, from day one. She looked good in the post parade in her debut. She ran well. I missed her jogging by nine. I, I, I wonder if she can come and beat winners now. I don't know if there's anyone tough in here that could beat her, but, but I think she's, uh, she's worth a couple of bucks. Well, I think that any time an Ian Wilkes horse shows up first time out, and uh, they're bound to improve, and so I can't understand how she went off at 3-1 to one in her last start also. But uh, we wish her the best of luck today. 
And uh, so that's uh, all you like. Well, I actually like the one horse in the second race, Eternal Vow, who just won a, okay. a, a week ago, uh, was uh, taken off a of Todd Pletcher off of three efforts on the grass, put on the main track against Maiden 30 and opened up now as it was a sloppy main track. But I like the way this horse won, and I think that he could come right back. But the horse that I was afraid of was We Need to Talk, the five horse. So that's the one and the five in the second race. Um, uh, out at Santa Anita today, they have the American Handicap, uh, a race that I was lucky enough to win with. Uh, I'll tell you, the, the horse that's um, out at uh, Old Friends, I'll just tell you the story real quick. His name was Daytona. Do you remember Daytona? Oh, of course. Alex Solis rode that horse. That horse was a monster. Monster. So he shows up. I had that horse. Uh, I bought that horse, What's the Script, for uh, Tommy Town. Yes. And uh, he was coming back off a layoff, and I knew this horse was just a unbelievable racehorse. And he was 22 to 1, I believe, in the American Handicap. And there was a couple of guys that were at Hollywood Park, it was at the time, and there was a couple of guys come in from Lexington, Kentucky, and they were sitting in a box. I'm sitting to the right of those, and Steve Young is over to the left. And Steve Young says, Frank, what do you like? And these three guys from uh, Lexington are sitting there, and they're looking at their form. And I said, to be honest with you, uh, Steve, I bought this horse, what's the script? And I, I think that he's an absolute certainty today. And Daytona's too low. I can't understand uh, because, like, I really do believe he's way better than Daytona. So race goes, and they're looking at the form, and they're, like, looking at me, and they're thinking, he's 25 to 1 on the board. And he absolutely jogged that day. What's the script? And, uh, you know, that was just a a great day for me. But uh, today in the American Handicap, who do you like? Uh, I'll tell you, this Kenji Storm... Yeah, uh, really look, and you know, there's the, there's the fear of the bounce because he just came back off a long layoff, but he won well, and uh, I'm sort of against Blackjack Cat in this race. I want to tell you a funny American uh, uh, handicap story. Okay, the Great Candy Ride ran. That's it right. In the two th- it was early in the 2000s, and I, I don't know for sure, but I want to say it was his turf debut, but I don't know if that's for sure or whether it was. It was some important race for Candy Ride because I was I was very intrigued with him. And I had actually laid down quite a few dollars on him that day. I loved him that day. I just didn't think he could lose. I don't remember if it was his turf debut or U.S. debut. Well, it wasn't his U.S. debut. But, but anyway, I'm calling the races at Louisiana down. And we're literally running a $5,000 like uh, maiden claimer <laughs> right over the American handicap, which, of course, has become a tradition in racing because now graded stakes run over each other. But... I'm sitting here, and I'm like, oh, my God, please don't run this race right over the American <laughs> I'm all in here. Yeah. <laughs> it was really one of my most unprofessional performances, and I definitely yeah. got through the race just fine. But believe me when I tell you. <laughs> you won eye on the race. Got, it was great. Like when there were two horses at the back of the pack, I knew it was like whatever, the five and the eight. Yeah. I would take a nice deep breath. And then at the back of the pack, are and I would roll those names <laughs> as I kept peeking over to the left. Uh, like, Get up, Gary. Come on. Yeah, go and, on, Gary. Uh, <laughs> uh. I, of course, you didn't hear the come on, but that's what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, and uh, and uh, he did get up and take care of business in the American Handicap. So that, that and that race has always been that was a race at Hollywood Park where they they used to run it on the Fourth of July. They would yeah. give away the big towels. A lot of memories I have of the American Handicap and Charlie Whittingham. I want to say Golden Pheasant might have even run in the American Handicap one year in a short field. Great race, tremendous tradition, and I'm glad it continues. It's not what it used to be, but nevertheless. Yeah. 
it's still the American handicap. Yeah. A lot of races aren't what they used to be, unfortunately, but uh, we'll have to do something about that if we can. Uh, but uh, so I kind of like uh, what have you in there. Uh, yep. You know, I think that uh, his last couple of races were, you know, they weren't as bad as they looked. And uh, I believe that he can get back on track today. And he's a record of six wins from 13 starts, three seconds at Santa Anita. So that's the killer roll mile. But Kenji Storm is probably going to go off as your favorite. And he'll, he'll get some action for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, second start in the barn for Phil Yamato. Got him off Richie Baltus, who did a great job with him also. And uh, he's a son of our old uh, horse, Stormy Atlantic. So I'll be cheering on uh, Kenji Storm today. Uh, they also run the 1.2 richest race in America today, uh, the $1.2 million Charlestown Classic, which will be run later on tonight. I want to say one thing before we get to the Charlestown Classic, which is they run the Kona Gold That's right. uh, at Santa Anita as well today. And, and there is a horse that I, uh, I like in there. His name is Bobby Abu Dhabi, and he was just second to your gorilla, City of Light, last time. I've always liked this horse, and uh, I'm going to give him a chance to, uh, to go ahead and... Uh, and and win that. What are your thoughts on the Charlestown race? You know what? I think, well, uh, Peter Miller's got a, a, a strong hand in there, but, you know, I can see it going to any one of uh, four. Uh, so that means that you bet on the one horse because I can't see him win it. But uh, uh, he was a beaten favorite last time out. Blame it on the law. But I couldn't choose between uh, the two, three, uh, Bobby Abu Dhabi, 10 Blessings, Calculator, or Ransom the Moon. To be honest with you, I wouldn't even have any idea. I understand. Was that a good answer? A big race. Um, uh, what, you know, there, there was a lot of uh, controversy with this Charlestown Classic. They almost uh, got rid of it and all that. Yeah. And, and there was a big uh, uprising. And thankfully, they've kept the race going. Uh, a nice grade two and uh, a really, really good race. Uh, War Story comes back for another event and uh, Diversify uh, for Rick Violet. I- I'm going to have to go with the favorite Diversify. He's such a nice New York bred and... Uh, uh, that, that's where I stand, and, and I have to believe that he would appreciate, with his speed, uh, the way that everything is uh, laid out there. All you know, he, he sure. probably wants to go twenty turns, and uh, that's where I would stand. But I, I don't have like an overwhelming opinion. I just yeah. think he's the one to beat for sure. Well, definitely he's the one to beat. Uh, you see that Irad Ortiz wrote War Story last time out to a very easy win in the Challenger at Tampa Bay Downs. Yeah. And uh, he's ridden him in his last four starts. So he knows War Story pretty well, but he's decided to stick with Diversify, who on that Charlestown track, uh, I, uh, every time I look at that racetrack, it's, it's sloppy and mu- or muddy. And so, you know, I think that uh, front-running uh, uh, performance by Diversify, you'll be looking for that tonight. And um, I agree with you that uh, Diversify looks very tough in there. Yes, sir. So, I'm going out to Old Friends tomorrow, Frankie, where all of these old hard-knocking horses, like uh, in the American Handicap and in the Elkhorn and in the Charlestown Classic, will probably end up. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I've never been there, and I really need to go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when you come in town... he's a good guy. He is, absolutely. It's amazing the amount of horses that they have out there. I think he told me... They get, you know, all the people, you know, social media, they always post, and uh, it's great, great pictures and good stuff. Yeah. Now, what's on top for your week? 
this week, uh, actually, uh, I, I'm going to go in for a nice little hernia surgery. Beautiful. Sure you, uh, You're sure looking you forward that to that? that? Yes. It, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward <laughs> to it. You know, I haven't had enough surgery, so I just wanted to... But You've had more like, surgeries than Gary Stevens. <laughs> That's terrible, man. <laughs> uh, but, uh, something that has to happen. I never even knew what a hernia is. I barely know what it is now, but really? I'm already a big boy, and I've got a little lump on the side here. It doesn't look too attractive, and, right. and the doctor says that uh, they only get bigger. I can't afford anything bigger to happen. So they say it's a simple surgery, but painful. Yeah. So I'm going to uh, dig in and uh, and get that done. Huh. Uh, so what's the chances I'll be needing a new host or new co-host next week? Zero. Okay. I'm, I'm as tough as nails. My okay. Friend. So Thursday I'll be ready to roll. There's no death involved then. In no, the... you might have to call the hospital room and uh, yeah. you know. I got you. I'll be all right. I think I'll be out of there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's Frank. It's a simple deal. We got to take care of business. Absolutely. Well, you know, the I, good news is now, for the longest time, I don't have to lift anything. I'll just have my girlfriend jump. Oh, off. yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to get one, too. Yeah, I got the hernia here. <laughs> so, okay, so now all the listeners are supposed to say a prayer for Frankie, okay? And, do. Yeah. And so, Frankie, I look forward to talking to you next week. You got it, my brother. All right. Thank you. Thanks. So now we're going to go off to break. That was Frankie Miramati. You're listening to Riders Up on ESPN. Everyone here at Riders Up is so proud to welcome our newest sponsor, the racing world's largest retailer of supplies and services. Welcome Big D's Tack and Vet Supply of Streetsboro, Ohio. We're introducing a very special way to promote a super buy each week exclusive to Riders Up listeners. Here's how it works. You either call 1-800-321-2142 and tell the Big D's customer service person, the code, or you enter the code on bigdweb.com. This week's code is HORSES, and the specials are amazing. A $429 free goods giveaway on Transformers 2 products, the product Breathe in the quart size and the product Motion in the quart size. If you buy one quart, of either or both, you receive a free court. We're celebrating the Breathe and Motion Stakes Race being run tonight at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. Second part of the special for Riders Up listeners who mentioned the code HORSES is 10% off on any order at BigDWeb.com or by calling 800-321-2142. There are some restrictions that apply, but almost everything is 10% off by mentioning the code word Welcome back to Writers Up here on ESPN Radio. I'm your host, Frank Lyons, and right now I'm very pleased to be joined by my old buddy, Bobby McAlinden. How are you, Bobby? I'm top of the bill, Frank. Top yeah. of the bill. Couldn't be better. Now, Bobby is a man who has a very interesting life. Bobby showed me a few photos the other day. Show me a photo of him and Pele. Him and George Best and Pele, him and Rod Stewart and Elton John and Pele. And where did that all stem from? Well, that all came from playing for the LA Aztecs back in the late 70s. Yeah. I love that photo of you going around Franz Beckenbauer. Oh, that was the highlight, yeah. <laughs> and so all so them Germans, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you, better, you better than us at football, but. You know, we can always get them in the war, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a little redemption there. <laughs> You're talking about the Falklands War, aren't you? No, hey, no yeah, 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 there you go. Uh, so now, how old were you? Oh, first of all, congratulations on Manchester City winning the EPL. Yeah, 
Oh, brilliant, brilliant. You know, uh, you've been the best team all year. You know, yeah. I'm an avid, avid City fan. I've been all my life. Yeah. Now, you played and, for City. Uh, well, I did. I made my debut for them at 18. Um, you know, it was my uh, my childhood team. I grew up in Manchester, very much in the predominant Manchester United area, but uh, my father was always a City supporter. And uh, he took me to all the games when I was a kid. Home and away, so always been a blue. And now, been a blue. How, how old were you when you signed for City, and how did that become? Well, I was 15 years old, and, you know, like all kids at that age, you know, all you want to do is play football, and yeah. I was just fortunate enough that, you know, you have scouts that go to schoolboy games and so on and so forth, and uh, I was lucky enough that uh, there was one or two clubs that thought I was good enough to take on as an apprentice professional, and uh, I signed for City, you know, my uh, it's my boyhood club, and... Uh, can you can you remember that day? Can you remember your feeling when you're actually signing for City? What was going through? Oh, your... Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's when you leave school and then you're just so anxious you can't get there fast enough. You know, you go in and meet the manager and um, you sign what what is known as apprentice professional form, which you sign at fifteen. Yeah. Ah. Huh. Now you're also an avid racing fan. So. Yes, I am. I, I, I love the ponies. It's uh, it's my biggest love. I, I I just admire them jockeys so much. In my opinion, they're the greatest athletes in the world. And that's my opinion. You know, a great uh, doctor out in uh, in California that we used to um, uh, like. Uh, you know, he'd he'd fix all the athletes and he'd fix all the. Uh, the Raiders, and he'd fix all the Lakers, and he'd fix all the uh, the uh, Dodgers, and he said that um, of all the athletes that he'd ever fixed up, he said jockey uh, jockeys are pound for pound the best athletes that he'd ever uh, seen. Well, I agree with that. You know, I mean, you you look at what they what's entailed in their job, yeah. guiding a thousand pound animal. 40 mile an hour yeah. in traffic, so to speak, because you've got 1,214 rows or whatever it is around you. It's just, they're just phenomenal athletes with, them, with an immense, immense amount of skill. Now, who do you like for the Kentucky Derby? Well, I'm going to book the trend. I like Mendelssohn. Really? I really do. You know, I, he is a fabulous-looking horse, and uh, first time out... Uh, on the dirt in uh, UAE, he couldn't have been any more impressive. You well, did. you know, yeah, absolutely, and um, you know, he's got the breeding for the dirt, being a hard brother uh, to beholder. Yeah, uh, you've got the greatest trainer in the world. I don't think there's any doubt about that. In Aidan O'Brien, he's got arguably the best jockey in the world. Yeah, he's got the form, he's got the breeding. Ryan Moore, he's, he's done the business and. You know, I mean, everything, as you well know, Frank, depends on the look, the draw, yeah. how he comes out the gate. But uh, that'll be my selection, and I've already bet him anti-post. I was going to say that. Anti-post uh, means a future bet, right? What price? Come on, tell us. You can tell us what price did you get. Well, we got 40 to 1. Really? And, 20, and 25 to 11 40s and uh, a good bet at 25 to 1. Huh. Huh. Now, and I think... I, go on. I think I think he'll go, I think it'll drift when it gets to England. If you go to uh, the bookie sites, he's five to one favourite, joint favourite with 
justify. But uh. I think justify is going to go shorter, and I think Mendelssohn will probably. I think Mendelssohn will be will go as high as ten to one. Well, you know, I, I I can't quite figure out how he's going to be bet because he will get all of the uh, you know the uh, the supporters of Aidan O'Brien and John Magnier and uh, that's a huge amount of supporters and I would say that he might be over bet. Well, I don't think so. I think he'll be. I I, I think he'll definitely he'll be well bet in England, but over here, I uh, yeah, good. you know the, the the amount the amount of money that will be bet will swallow up what what they decide to bet. So I, you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I think he'll drift. You think he'll he'll close? So Abs- we'll see. Absolutely. Now, give me some of your favorite horses of all time. Well, I'm gonna. This is a little tongue in cheek, but. My favourite horse of all time is a ten thousand dollar claimer <laughs> called Baseball Party. And I'm going to tell you a little if I've got time. I played a pick six at Hollywood Park. I'd singled it in the last leg. It was a carryover. It came out on the track. Ten thousand dollar claimer. Four bandages. Hadn't run for six months. Had to get the lead because it was a front runner. Bolted out on a stall. Never looked back, won 10 lengths, and I won $320,000. Well, <laughs> I so can understand why favorite. that horse is your favourite. That's my favourite horse. <laughs> but uh, having said that, I mean, um, boy, I mean, I'm a, 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 I love, as you do, Frank, I love the national hunt. Yeah, oh, I love um, it. I, I had the privilege of being old enough and... Uh, aware enough to understand the greatness of Arkell. I saw Arkell yeah. win. You know, fantastic horse, carrying 12 and a half stone now, Cheltenham. Yeah. But a lot of you uh, listeners won't understand that, but uh, you do. And But as far as America, I, I saw the great uh, Shergarden on at Chester. Yeah. That was a marvellous horse. But I think the best horse I ever saw, uh, and I saw it four or five times in the flesh, was a firm. Yeah, very good. Laz Barrera, Lafitte Pink Guy, yeah. Steve Carlton. Uh, yeah. Great memories there. Now, you were, you in your football career, you had the luck of being best friends with a man called George Best, arguably one of the best players of all time. Well, definitely one of the best players of all time. But you were also born on the same day as George. Well, give us a little bit of history about that. Well, you know, it all came about when we go back to my early days as a 15-year-old, playing for Manchester City as, as a, a junior, uh, George had signed for United. And in them days, uh, the football clubs had a first team, a reserve team, an A team and a B team. The B team was for the young kids, 15, 16. The A team was, as you progress a little, 16, 17. And then uh, the reserves, you know, he was fighting to get in the reserves, which is the second string, so to speak. And in that time period, uh, playing in those, you played in uh, what we call the Lancashire League, Lancashire 1, Lancashire 2, and it was all local teams, you know, that, that was formed to see the progress of the 15-year-olds. It was like Manchester United, Manchester City, Bolton, Liverpool, uh, all the Lancashire teams, Preston, right. Stockport, etc. You know, you played against each other a lot because there wasn't many teams in the league. So instead of playing home and away just once, you played like four or five times. Sure. 
so you get you get to know people and you see people, you shake hands after the game and so on. And being a 15-year-old and a 16-year-old, you kind of hang out the same haunts, you know, off the field. Right. So that's how I got to know him and we became friends, you know. And then uh, obviously uh, everybody knew that he was something very special, even at 15, 16, 17. And, you know, he was just a marvellous, marvellous player. And then I found out that, you know, him and I were born on the same day, same year. Yeah. Which is just a weird coincidence, you know. Wow. And how many how many years did you, uh, like, I mean, obviously you knew him till he died, but how close were you guys? Well, you know, he was the one that uh, approached me to come and play in the United States. I huh. mean, I was just kind of dumbfounded. He said, listen, Bobby, I'm... I'm going to go play. He, he had his problems at Man United. Right. And, he, you know, they've been well documented and uh, he quit the game and he, he decided to make a comeback in the United States and he came to me and said, look, I'm going to play in the United States. You've got this new league called the NASL, which was the North American Soccer League. And he said, you know, there's going to be some really good players playing in, a, you know, they're really giving it a good push. Yeah. Spending a lot yeah. of money. He said, and they want a left-sided player, left wing, sort of left, left-sided midfielder. Right. You know, and he said, uh, I think you can do the job. Huh. He said, so do you want? Do you want to come with me? Well, I said, when we're leaving, I'll leave tomorrow <laughs> if you like. Yeah. You know. But, but he said uh, it was uh, it was in November of '75 when he approached me and he said, listen, we're going in February. Yeah. So get all your ducks in order and. Uh, I'll call you in February, you know, and we'll go in February. So uh, that's when we came, February 1976, and it worked out good for me, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was a lot older then and a lot wiser and made mistakes along the way. Sure. Uh, but I got a second bite of the cherry, and I grabbed it with both hands, and I had a good career. I mean, we played. I played with some really, really top-class players. Um, like who? Yeah. Well, we had the likes of Ron Davis, the legendary centre forward from Southampton, Charlie Cook, one of the all-time greats for Chelsea, uh, Terry Mancini, one of the greats from Arsenal, Phil Beal from Tottenham Hotspur. I mean, they they're good, solid, top yeah. top top class uh, first division players. And of course, you know, and then you've got you've got George, who's the cream of the crop, and play with those guys. It's just a gift. And what you about know, what about Pele? Well, played against him on five different occasions and, you know, got to play against some great players. Franz Pelé, Beckenbauer. Beckenbauer, Eusebio, wow. Giorgio Canaglia. I mean, uh, just some fantastic players. So it was just a brilliant, brilliant time. And uh, not only did he take me there to um, his teammate, he made me his roommate and he made me his business partner. Yeah, you own Besties uh, Bar. Yeah, right on the water back. and Redondo uh, Beach. Well, actually, it was Hermosa Beach. Or Hermosa Beach. Yeah, and you know, I was there. Uh, he blessed me with the honour of being best man at his wedding. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, you can't get much closer than that. You Absolutely. Know? And, and uh, I was asked by the family to do part of the eulogy when he died, you know. Yeah, wow. So you can't get any closer than that. You did, you ever get get a, did you ever get him to the races? Yeah, took him to, he wasn't, he, George was a casino player, he liked to play dice, and I was never interested in any of that stuff, you know. Yeah, you I was, you rather odds. I was just a house sickly horse, yeah. but uh, he 
came once or twice, you know, but... Uh, Where'd you go, to Hollywood Park or Santa Anita? Oh, I used to... Well, when I had the bar fan, Yeah. I used to go every day. Yeah. I mean, I was 20 minutes from the bar, um, and you know it's like that. You can go every day. I mean, sure. it's just a... It was, uh, That's where we met fantastic. each other, Bobby. Absolutely, Hollywood yeah. Park, yeah. yeah. And uh, I must say... I must say, I must tell your listeners that uh, of all the sporting events that I've been in in life, World Cup, World Series, uh, Indy 500, any, uh, Olympics, the best thing I ever went to was the Kentucky Derby in 04, and I owe that to you because you <laughs> invited me along to see Castledale, and yeah. we had such a great... It was a great time, and uh, we're ever grateful to you for that, and that was fantastic. Uh, best thing I've ever been to. Really, and, uh... I appreciate and, that. And you can tell your view, you can tell your listeners the Queen of England could not have had a better seat than we had in that box. That's right, right on the finish line. We R- were right on the finish line, and uh, you know the fact that we never back to win. Yeah, <laughs> back to winner. Never back to winner. It's not yeah. an issue. It was the whole, it was the whole experience of being part of the entourage, and yeah, you know, being there and seeing the Kentucky Derby and. Uh, and being a lover of horse racing, it was just fantastic. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was great. Even though the sure. horse ran like crap. Uh, we well, had... I, I, you know, I never, I always wanted to ask you, do you think Mullins would have scratched it because of the conditions if it hadn't have been the Yeah, day? you know, like, you, you remember the rain that came right before. They would have they would have scratched every horse in it, was it not the Kentucky Derby? And it was on uh, NBC at six o'clock. And, you know, they had to go ahead with the show. And well, uh, but uh, yeah, well, yeah. In actual fact, yeah, the, the, the rain was so bad it took the race back half an hour. Don't yeah. you remember? Oh, we were yeah. all stuck in that maintenance cabin. Now, what would you say to people that say Ronaldo and Messi are so much better than Pele and Best? Well, you know, it's different. It's different times. Um, it's very difficult to make that comparison. They're all great. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, you can't, the game today is different, um, far, far different from the era of George and Pelle. Uh, you know, it's, it, there's much, there's much more emphasis now on pace and power. Yeah. Uh, I did, I was always very friendly with Peter Reed. I don't know if you remember yeah, Peter Reed. Yeah, of course I do. Well, Pete, Pete, he was the guy that Maradona went around when, when they played England. That, that, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, Reed, I met Reed here when he was a young lad, and he, comes, he, he was at Bolton, and uh, he had a bad injury to his leg, and he came out and stayed with us for about six weeks. And then he went back, and he got transferred to Everton, and then he went on to have a great career, played for England, wrote a book, became... Uh, the highest-paid manager in the Premier League behind... The only person that was getting more money as a manager was um, was Sir Alex Ferguson. Huh. And Reid was on two million a year. And huh. I, he asked me, he said, listen, Bobby, I want you to do some scouting for me. And he sent me to, to uh, Argentina. I went to Argentina on four or five occasions. I went to um, Ecuador... Uh, fantastic, you know, and yeah. uh, you see those guys train, and they train different, and, you know, it's just an old different world, so, you know, you took that place in South America, in terms of Kelly, and, you know, it's hard, I mean, I think this, 
I, if you had George in the modern game, um, you'd get a lot more protection from the referees that allowed so much more physical contact in those days than they do now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, oh, absolutely. It, 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 it's a different game, but just getting back to Reedy and trying to compare the old game to the new game, um, the first question he always asked was, how's his pace? If you, if you say you to look for a centre-half, what's it, how tall is he? What's his pace? Well, back in them days when George played, that was never an issue. Sure. You know, it's, it's more now, it's more like you have to have certain criteria. You never see a goalkeeper now that's under 6'5". Yeah. In that, when we played... Shilton. If, if, if I was playing now, in them days, a goalkeeper would be 6'1". He'd be big. Yeah. But now, he wouldn't get a game if he's 6'1". The same goes for centre-backs. Yeah. I mean, now a centre-back 6'4", he can be 6'3", minimum. Yeah. So, huh. you know, and it's all about pace now. It's all about power. I think it, 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 back in them days, people were more skillful. Sure. In general, but I don't think there's anybody. For me, you know, given all the facts, without going into a long conversation, I think that Messi is as good as anybody that's ever played. Huh. And Ronaldo, Ronaldo's not far behind him. Really? Yeah, so, that's my opinion. Okay, so let me get this is yes or no questions, okay? Just yes yeah. or no. Okay. Okay. Pele was very good, but overrated. No. Pep Guardiola is a better coach than Sir Alex. Mm. Probably say yes. Man United now would have beaten the 1966-68 Man United. No. George Best got more women in his day than all of the rest of the Man United team put together. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky Derby is better than World Cup final. Yes. Kentucky Derby is better than the Masters. Yes. Ronaldo is better than Messi. You already answered no. that. No. George Best was as good a player. As what? As Messi or Ronaldo? Yes, I think I'd like to elaborate on that answer a little bit. Okay, go on. I think if I mean George was the most naturally gifted player I've ever seen. I remember having a conversation with Pelle after the game, and I asked him, I asked him, what was the best team he ever played for, and he said the 1970 World Cup team. And I asked him who's the best player he's ever seen. Mind you, at that time, obviously, he hadn't, he hadn't seen Messi, he hadn't seen Ronaldo. And sure. he pointed to George and he said, him. And I said, why do you say that? And what he did, Frank, he patted his right leg and patted his left leg. Yeah. Meaning he was the most gifted two-footed player he'd ever seen. Ah. So for me, he was the most naturally gifted. But he was his own worst enemy, as we all know. Of course, you know? of course. And I think... Um, I think if he'd have been English, and he would have been in his, yeah. well, he was in his prime. His prime. He'd, have played in the, he'd have played in the '66 World Cup final at 20. He'd have gone to England with uh, in '70, where you know the, the aforementioned great team of Brazil played. I mean, and then he would have. We didn't qualify in '74, but I sure. think he would have. 
it would have only been 28 then. Yeah. And he didn't, I, I think playing in the England team, playing on yeah. somebody like Ramsey, it had been, uh, it it had been the greatest ever. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's big words. Now, Man City's dominance in the EPL will continue. Oh, I think it's only going to get better. Yeah. Bob Bafford. Bob Bafford is the best dirt trainer of all time. Well, uh, I disagree with that. Okay, that's all you have to say. So, who would be the person that you've met in your in your life that you were like, "Wow, that's him" or "That's her"? Uh, and I think you know. I mean, well, you know, I mean. It's, you don't get any bigger than George, you know, and I yeah. was his best pal. Right? Yeah. So, you know, everywhere you went, you, you got to meet people. Um, uh, but let me think. i tell you a great incident. You know, what was nice when you met George. When you met George I'd, gone, I'd gone home, I was back home, and uh, he was staying in the Midland Hotel, and I'd gone to see him. So he come down, and we're having a cup of coffee. And this gentleman walked up to him and said, excuse me, Mr. Best, but could I have your autograph? And I said, uh, and I said, yes, of course. And they signed the guy's thing. And the guy said, thank you very much, Mr. Best, and he left. And I said, don't you know who that is, George? He said, no, no idea. It was uh, Sir Ben Kingsley. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so, that, you know, George had no pretension, no airs and graces. And, and yeah. Just, oh, he, you was know. A nice, he was a great fella. Was, oh, I did, you know, what yeah. he did for me. Frank, I couldn't repay him back in two lifetimes what yeah. he did for me. Yeah, so, oh. He's the greatest guy, greatest guy I ever met. Yeah, yeah. God bless him. Uh, who's your favourite player now in the EPL? Uh, well, there's a, there's a few. You know, I'm a bit biased. For okay. City. I, think well, Ga- I, think Ga- I think David Silva's been a fantastic player for City, as has Sergio Aguero. Um, but I think the I think the I think the best player in the league this year has to be Mo Salah. Huh. I think he'll get Player of the Year. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree with that. I I I think he deserves it. You know. Uh, but we'll see. It's between him and De Bruyne. I mean, usually uh, the Player of the Year goes to a player that's playing in, you know, the the Championship team, which is City. Sure. Uh, well, I just think what he's achieved in his first year at Liverpool is uh, worthy of being player of the year. Yeah. All but right. Bobby, it's been beautiful to talk to you and get the uh, insight about uh, your whole life and so I feel very jealous of it. And, uh, so well, I've been, you've been, I've been... Go on. Now go on. No, I've just been very blessed. I've been very lucky. You know, I've had some ups and downs in my life, but overall... Sure. Uh, I've been very, very lucky, you know. I've got a lovely wife. I met my wife over there. She's an American girl. I met her in 79, Lisa, God bless her. And uh, we just celebrated our 39th wedding anniversary. So I've got that as well. Um, and it's just been fantastic. I've had a great life. I've got great friends, you included. I mean, you know, as I told you, the greatest thing in my life uh, as regards going to an event was the 04... Kentucky Derby. Derby. Yeah. So, so, so we, you know, I've had a lucky life, man. I've been a lucky boy. And we're going to see you at the Belmont this year, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm leaving that in your hands and okay. I'll wait to hear from you. All right. Well, thank you very Bye. much. Bobby McClendon.
All Everybody, right. thank you so right. much, Bobby. Bye-bye. Oh, pleasure. Bye-bye. So now we're going to go off to break here. No, we're actually going to say goodbye for here another Saturday morning, and we wish you all a beautiful weekend. We'll talk to you next week.